Welcome to Cognitive Connections, Conversations on Dementia with the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories. I'm your host, Carrie Candy, and I'm thrilled to have you join us for this insightful journey into the world of dementia. Each episode will bring you thought-provoking discussions with experts, researchers, and people within this community. At the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories, we believe in the power of human connection and aim to create a safe space where we can discuss the challenges, triumphs, and advancements in the field of dementia. So grab a cup of tea, find a comfortable spot, and prepare to embark on a journey of empathy, knowledge, and hope. Together we'll uncover inspiring stories, practical advice, and valuable resources that can help us navigate the path ahead. Welcome to the Cognitive Connections podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Candy, and I'm with Arlene Hune today. Arlene Hune has been with the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and the Northwest Territories for 21 years. She is the team manager of our North Client Services team, and she is here with us today. Welcome, Arlene. Thank you. Happy to be here. Arlene, can you tell us a bit about your role at the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories? Yeah, my role here is to really help support clients and family members who are going through this journey. And there's a great team of client service staff from uh, one end of Alberta to the next, and including Northwest Territories. So we're all here to support families. Great. And can you give us a little bit of information on how you came to be in this role, How you, what you like working about work, doing this kind of work? Yeah, it's, I've been here for 21 years, so um, it, it's been a long time, so I'm not sure I can really tell you how I've came to be here, but I've been here for a long time, and what I really like uh, about this job is that everybody we meet, uh, even though they may be having a hard time with this, and there are lots of challenges with it, is that everybody, you can just tell that people care so much about other people and uh, it, it just leaves you with that really feel good and so if we can help somebody's day out get better and give them some tips and techniques then it makes our day also be really good exactly so it's kind of that that job that also you can give back in a way too so it creates a good feeling both ways yes absolutely yeah. that's what i like about it too <laughs> um so Right now, if you were to describe where things are at in our world in uh, Alberta and Northwest Territories, but even just worldwide with dementia and, and some of the patterns that you're seeing in 2023, what, what would you start with? I, I think maybe numbers, you know, uh, coming with COVID, I won't say COVID is gone, but, you know, with uh, the world kind of getting it back to a little bit normal, even though it's a new normal, uh, we're starting to see, you know, clinics back in full gear, home care teams out working. So we are starting to see, again, a, an increase in uh, family members needing support and being open to that type of support. So we're definitely seeing the need increase. You know, there are more people probably being diagnosed. Now, that doesn't mean that there's actually more people being diagnosed than, say, previously. Testings are a little bit better. Families noticing things more now that they're able to come visit people. So sometimes that spike and increase isn't simply because more people are. It's just more at that time, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. 
So, so people weren't able to visit before and they're spending more time with their loved ones and seeing things. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and if you were to be talking to someone who potentially thinks that their loved one is showing some signs, what would you say to them in terms of the services that we provide? Yeah, so we're here. That's our sole purpose is here to provide you support services. So whether you're caring for someone you love, and we know some of you out there may be caring for someone uh, you might not use that description for, but someone that you feel you owe something to or there's nobody else. So no matter what has put you in this role as a care partner, that we would encourage you to reach out. We have many different programs from information sessions, education sessions, support groups, just being able to talk to team members, again, throughout the province and territory. We're here to support you, so don't hesitate to reach out to us. Tell me about your care partner support groups. Yeah, that's a great thing to talk about, Carrie. Uh, So we have many throughout the province, and so there's different types. So I'll try to keep them all nice and clear for us. (laughs) Um, So so we do have care partner support groups. So care partner support groups are generally drop-in if they're in-person because Mm -hmm. we know how hard it is for care partners to plan and book something. Sometimes they're like, oh, I won't be able to make that. And all of a sudden, their day is working out well, and they're like, oh, I can go. So Uh, Most of our programs are drop-in. You don't have to register. If you've been given our flyer with the time and date, we want to welcome you just to come on in. Now, obviously, if if you're looking at doing one of our online support groups, because we do have online groups now, that you can't drop in on, really, because you need a link to uh, get it. So there are uh, our online groups. We would really encourage you to reach out and say, hey, that's the best method for me. So can I get on the list? We run afternoon groups. We run evening group. Uh, Some of places may also be offering a morning group. So we try to do them at different times, different locations. Again, wherever you are in the province or territory, uh, we're really hoping we have the means for you to be able to access care partner support group. Now, we also have some specialized care partner support groups to carry. So specialized would be things like for people with young onset. So if you have Mm -hmm. a family member who's under the age of 65, and you're uh, supporting them, then we have specialized groups like that. And again, you kind of need to reach out and we'll get you registered in the right group. We have Mm -hmm. uh, young onset children's group. So children, uh, again, if your family member is under the age of 65, it may Mm -hmm. be a teenager out there. It may be really just someone who's just become a young adult, or even if you're 35 years old and you're still the adult child somebody living with young onset. So we've got a support group for that too. We also have specialized uh, support groups for people living with dementia. So we run a variety of early stage groups. Now, these are a little bit harder to run throughout the whole province and territory. So we do run them out of a couple locations, uh, Edmonton and Red Deer, and we may have a couple uh, popping up. So again, we'd want to contact our your local office to find more information but we also offer those hybrids so even if you are in Aurora or another place in Alberta or the territories and there isn't one locally if you're able to do it online we can set you up with that so that you can still do it so I think that's mostly all of our care partner support groups that I should mention today. That's great especially I didn't even know about the one with with children that's wonderful. Yeah. 
and yeah, I would imagine adults, but or teenagers, I, children of of yeah. yeah. And I, I would imagine very very useful to them, like something that you wouldn't necessarily think of immediately when it comes to the overall care of the uh, the person with dementia and also their family. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. challenging for everybody. Yeah, can you give me like why why do you think these support groups are so useful? What is and I don't mean to sound harsh or anything, but what's in it for them besides getting information? and being part of a group, obviously, but what do you see is the real value there? Yeah, so for care partners, again, doesn't matter your age, anything like that, the group should actually only be for them, it should be for no other reason than them. And so the whole idea is, and we've heard this time and time again from family members that, you know, I, I share stuff about my journey with a friend, and sometimes people just don't always get it and they don't always get it because it's really hard when I say if I call and my mom's not home I'm worried and I need to then leave and go over whereas everybody else is like I'm sure they're fine so as much as friends can be supportive and again to any friend out there listening you know there are you know we have tips for you too but but it's so nice to walk into a room where you can say something and the person across the table mm -hmm. from you, or as we are, uh, you know, look through our cameras eye to eye, shakes their head and goes, oh, yeah, I've been there. And wow. having that feeling. So, so many people say, you know, you get that diagnosis. And then if I'm all alone working with my mom, I feel so alone. But man, mm -hmm. when that person across the table or on screen shakes their head and I go, oh, she knows what I'm talking about. And then if she says, that was me a year ago, or that's me right now, it feels like I'm not alone. And going through this journey, feeling not alone really makes a difference in my life. And now I know I can say things and people will just get it and they won't question why I'm saying that. So it, it, it really is just comforting and knowing I'm not walking the journey alone. Right on. I was able to sit in on one of the support groups recently and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. Um, Arlene, can you tell me a little bit about the tips that you mention in the support group um, yes. to caregivers? Because I remember you numbered them and they were very good. Yeah, so I'll, I'll just correct one thing. Um, so oh, that's sure. not a support group. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's why we're here to find out about stuff like that. So tell exactly. Me. So the support group is slightly different. A support group is really, um, we we have trained facilitators, but the goal of the support group is for them to share their stories and to talk about their challenges they are having and things like that, and to really get that feedback from one another. So, but a different type of program we offer is an information session called First Link Connection. And our goal is often we're that first link out there, and then we can connect you to our services and other support services. So the program I believe you're talking to was the First Link Connection. Oh. And, and in that, that is more us giving information, um, whereas a support group would look almost the other way that the staff member would talk way less, yes. and the, the people in the room would talk way more but at an information session then that allows us to share uh, many different tips and techniques for families to help them get through this journey better and as well not just for families we also uh, have people living with dementia join these information sessions as well so we want to make mm -hmm. sure uh, we're inclusive and people living with dementia are able to join and learn some information as well. 
So obviously, I guess what I'm hearing about the support groups, to go back to that, is there is a sense of community there, right? And I, I'm thinking that, especially post-COVID, we're looking for those connections and it, it could really help. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of community. And so some groups have people who've been attending I, I used to say for years, it's harder now since COVID because we, we again, had to do things slightly different. But, you know, you can kind of tell people have been there for a while or they've attended groups in the past. And and I really hope then new people go, well, I kind of want that and to join in. And we also have some care partners who go to a couple different groups simply because they need support more than once a month. And so that's the great thing is that we do have different options throughout a month where people can take that. And it's also, uh, I'm always impressed how quickly care partners become part of a community. And it's sometimes as, as simple, again, as if I go back to that person shaking their head, it's like the, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I've been in the room for a a year, even though it's my first day there, just because everybody around me gets what it is. And if I shed a couple tears, it's okay. And if we have a laugh, Mm -hmm. that's okay. And so it's an almost like instant bonding that like I found my people. Wow, that is powerful for sure. And I'm I'm sure it, it helps because it's a tough journey. And uh you need all the support you can get. So it's good to be in a safe environment where you can share. Uh, it's t- it is a tough journey, um, but there's also really some great highlights, which we could talk about some other times. But there's some really good parts of the journey too. Oh, good. Oh, great. I think there might be even like you know some funny stories in there. Maybe we'll, we'll uh, absolutely, see. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about stigma. You know, there there's a lot of things about our world today where where we you know use the word woke or or uh, you know talking a lot more. We we see a lot more of mental health being discussed for people of all ages in social media and uh, just in media period. Are you noticing any difference? I mean, you've been here, you've been part of the scene for 21 years. Have you noticed a difference? And what is that if you've noticed anything? I I think there is a difference. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm going to say it's not a big enough difference though for for the time period. So yeah, I I think the stigma of dementia has decreased. So more people are willing to talk about it, more people share, but we still find many, many people living with dementia feel scared, nervous, ashamed to share their diagnosis. And sometimes even with family members, they don't, haven't shared. So we still meet family members who haven't shared, say, with their adult children or their neighbors or their siblings. So we do know the stigma is still out there. But I do think we have seen some positive changes. Still, though, I I think we've still got a, a lot to reach for, but I think it is reachable. Mm-hmm. That's good. And what sort of things do you think could help out there? That's a really great question, Carrie. What sort of things would help? I think if more people were aware of dementia, you know, I, I think of a gentleman quite a few years ago, though now he was, and I've had the same experience or similar, and I was ready to get into action. Mm-hmm. You know, when they were paying and they were paying with cash and and he he couldn't, he struggled to count money. Mm-hmm. And so, but he he didn't want that taken away from him. And so, like, if he had put money onto the register, like, to pay, but say say this bill was $5.68, and he puts, you know, a 10 and a 20, 
So mm-hmm. you wouldn't need both of those. But he's like, here, here's my money. And sometimes our response back to people can be like, well, I only need the tan, you know, like yeah. almost kind of giving that, like, what are you doing? Whereas mm-hmm. if more people knew that, you know, this person, this is actually a challenge for them and that the fact that they've got money out and giving it to you, you can mm. just give the 20 back when you count and then count out the $4 and whatever. And there, there you go. It's changes 24 something instead of going, I don't need the 20. Um, right. You know, so and, I and almost s- making it more difficult, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and it's embarrassing then because then mm-hmm. everybody around hears that. And I think you know sometimes if you think of going to a restaurant and there's it's really noisy, somebody may start repeating themselves more. Their their mm-hmm. dementia may become almost more prominent simply because the environment is too much stimulation, or they may have to say, "I want out of here. I want out of here." Mm-hmm. And we're like, but grandma the food's not here yet well so you know I've been with one of our clients when we actually were needing to stop and have uh, food at a restaurant so when we walked in I simply said are you okay turning down the volume while we're here and the restaurant was very accommodating but we also didn't go at lunchtime we went right after lunchtime so we avoided the peak time so there wasn't as many people in the restaurant we sat they wanted to sit us kind of you know they were closed or as less people get there they tightened their area but I Mm -hmm. asked if it was okay if we sat farther away from the core group Mm -hmm. so she said absolutely so we were farther away from everybody they turned down the radio and it worked really well so there's things we can all do but it would be great for people to kind of know that if if somebody comes and asks Mm -hmm. um, I pulled out my business card so to give them a hint as to why I may be asking for this but it would almost be nice if because we've encouraged families to get business cards for such things but it would also be nice if some of this was just happening and then that way the stigma would be okay and and then if people felt comfortable with that then if they saw that worked once then they would know when i walk into a restaurant i'm going to tell people i have dementia mm. and not have that stigma or right. for family members not to have to go and whisper it because they don't want other people to hear but they want the waitress or waiter to know right so I, I think that ability to say I have dementia or my spouse my mom my dad my sister my friend has dementia and not be embarrassed about it would be a great place to get to it would because I, I I and when you said awareness, I automatically went to just being aware of you know signs and symptoms or or you know the the state of things in in Canada with people getting dementia more and more. But mm-hmm. what you're talking about is actually the people, everyday people that interact or possibly would interact in the public with someone who has dementia. Them being aware that there's a reason why this person might be doing this, and this is a disability disability and like anyone coming into a store or a restaurant or a public space they do have some considerations and you would hope that most people understand when they do see a disability that they can behave in a helpful way yeah and I think you you just hit the hat on the nail you said when when somebody sees a disability and so uh, you know I always use the example if I came walking into a restaurant and I was on crutches people would be opening the door and and putting me at a table that's close and possibly pulling out my chair and, you know, taking my crutches if I need it and putting them on another chair because they can see it. Mm. 
So our clients are going to walk into a restaurant and not need the door open and and everything else because you can't always see it. So part of the other thing is that we have to have that stigma removed so people can share that and feel comfortable to share it and confident that when they share that, they're not going to be judged by by that. Mm-hmm. I see. Can we talk a little bit about more of other services that are offered through the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories besides our support groups? Yeah, so let's talk about that first link connection, which is an information session. So we run these again at different times of the day, different days of the week, including the weekend, because we know lots of people work Monday to Friday and cannot get off. Or sometimes if you need someone to come over and sit with your uh, spouse so you can get away, you have to do that on a Saturday. So we also have Saturday programs. And so this session is where we provide a lot of hands-on tips and techniques that families can walk away and start using right away. And there are, there are many of those, and we can kind of work away at some of those if you want. But, you know, I always think of the one big one that's easy to say is don't correct, but connect. And so, so many people living with dementia really are looking for a connection from us. And sometimes we get all tasky in our head, especially us adult children. And, uh, you know, we're there and we're like, I'm going to go there. I got to make sure mom's taking her medication. I got to do it. And we have this list of tasks and we start doing them. And that can raise somebody else's uh, level of uh, anxiety or cause some confusion. So sometimes just slowing down and thinking, I really just need to connect with this person and I don't need to correct. So if somebody says, well, I thought you were supposed to be here tomorrow. I don't say, yeah, it was, but I told you that yesterday. So today is that tomorrow. So that's a correction. I simply say, oh, I decided to come today, mom. So. So just that little switch, I'm not correcting. And I go, I couldn't be another moment away from you. So I came early. And so we could both have a laugh, you know, that I'm teasing, you know, my mom or whomever you're caring for. And so now I've turned that into instead of correcting them, I've connected with them. Right. Oh, that's a very, very good tip. Um, yes. So that's that so, information session that right. people can come to. Yeah. And that's the one that I went to. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, how about other programs, other things like Minds in Motion, for example? Yeah. Yeah. Our Minds in Motion is a really great program for people living with dementia who are in the early to mid stage and their care partner. And the reason we want care partners to attend is it's really good brain health and exercise, which we all need anyways. And then it allows you to get out and meet other people. So kind of that same connection you can make in a support group. And so what happens in the Minds in Motion program, we have some really fantastic community partners, again, throughout the province and territory who offer the program. And we help them by uh, kind of supporting the program. And then we run our own online sessions as well for that. And so the program starts off with about 45 to 50 minutes of exercise. And the exercises always have adaptations. So, you know, if sitting in a chair is too easy, there's ones you can stand up or vice versa. So there's always adaptations we can make for Minds in Motion. And after the exercise, and as we know, exercise gets our blood flowing, gets our blood flowing to the brain, carrying some oxygen. Then we do some cognitive activities, but they're always fun activities. They're not anything 
anything hard like Sudoku or anything else. Um, and I know some people out there will say, oh, but Sudoku is fun. And I say, good on you for thinking that. <laughs> but um, yeah, and so then we do different, uh, if you're in person, there may be some board games that'll challenge your brain. There's, we have so many different things and lessons and activities to take part. And so what we find is that after that exercise, that cognitive ability and doing some of that stimulation just really helps people who have a cognition problem. And so families report when they go home, uh, their family member is often in good spirits, but also that things are a bit clearer for a time period. And again, so it, it's really great to have family members coming together. And uh, the other really nice thing about this is that it gives families a chance to get away from those tasks I talked about, but to actually just do something where it's fun to do together and I don't have to do any of those tasks in it. I can actually just enjoy the session with my the family member I'm caring for. So where do you go when you have questions about dementia and you need some answers right away? or when you want to get some support and connection from others who may also be affected by dementia. The Assant Cafe has four key areas that bridge the gap for people who are looking for online support from the society. Number one is chat. Discussion groups are a great way to meet others, to ask questions, share experiences, and find support for many dementia-related topics. You can join a discussion or start your own and reach out to others. Number two is ask. We have gathered the most common first questions we get and provided answers and a list of resources for individuals and families when a dementia diagnosis is anticipated or been made. Number three is learn. Our education programs allow you to learn at your own pace about Alzheimer's disease and other dementias through video presentations and reflection. Topics range from lifestyle and brain health to finances and helping families cope. Number four is watch. Through live meetings, our team brings together presenters to share knowledge, experiences, and resources on a vast number of topics. These webinars provide real-time learning opportunities and encourage participation. Join the Assant Cafe and be a part of an online community where individuals living with dementia, family, friends, and care partners can connect and participate in discussions and educational forums. Head to asantcafe.ca. That's A-S-A-N-T-C-A-F-E dot C-A. I, you know, you see a lot of uh, information about or advice or expertise that's out there, you know, all over the internet, social media, you know, word of mouth, anywhere you hear it. What, uh, tell me about that. When you get someone who calls and, and has learn something from the internet and you know it's incorrect like is that one of the biggest challenges you have when it comes to educating clients I don't think it's the biggest one by all means I think by now hopefully now if you think about uh 
you know, especially coming through the pandemic and having to access uh, online things more. I think most people are aware that, you know, you can't trust everything online. The, the, the challenge with that, though, as we know for all things, is that some poor information is done so well that it looks so professional and, and you just go, but this has to be a, a good one. So it, it is without a doubt a challenge. The ones that we really have I guess if I would even say a concern about is if they if they start talking about a cure for dementia, as much as we would love to be able to jump and shout and say there's a cure, um, there there is no cure for dementia. So, you know, if people are coming across things that say it cures things or um, it reverses, again, at this point, there there are no such medications. There are no programs out there that actually are proven to to do so. So I, I would be really leery about those type of ones. Um, if they're saying, you know, take this type of powder or super dose these vitamins, again, anything that could interfere with a medication, uh, please talk to your family physician or pharmacist. Sometimes pharmacists are easier to get to, um, mm-hmm. but please talk to one of those professionals about it or whoever your main professional is, but please talk to them about uh, using other types of supplements of any type as it mm-hmm. could interfere with uh, medication. It doesn't matter if it's a dementia medication or a different medication someone is on. And it can also cause some side effects even if you're not on any medication. So please mm. always check with your uh, physician, your pharmacist, your healthcare professional if they think it's good for you. Now, mm-hmm. there are other sites out there that are just giving hints and tips. So I, I guess my kind of look on that is if if the tip works for you, then there you go. So as long as we're, yeah, as long as we're not harming our family member who's living with dementia or making Mm -hmm. them feel worse about themselves. um, If you think it works for you and you can tweak it to your situation, anything that works better is great because Mm -hmm. the number one thing, Carrie, if I can say that I think people aren't very good at or causes us more concern is taking care of themselves. So if they can find mm. tips out there to take care of and to do something that would allow them time to take care of themselves, that's mm-hmm. what I would say we need to do. Mm-hmm. And and that brings me to my next my next thought, which is caregivers or care partners, as we as we like to, to we prefer to say, you know, there's a lot of talk about self-care um, and putting yourself, you know, putting your oxygen mask on before your loved one. Do you find that that gets through or do you find that that most caregivers, when they're caught up in in this journey, they kind of ignore the signs of burnout and things like that? Yeah, I find with our care partners that it's not that they're meaning to ignore it. Mm-hmm. And really, self-care is, isn't new. It's not a, a new fad. It's not a new anything. Self-care has been around probably as old as the world has been, the importance of taking care of ourselves. I think what happens, though, is we get so caught up in, in the role we're in that we forget about our, our own self-needs. And and then once you create patterns, it's hard to break those patterns like any anything in life if you talk about 
you know, someone who who smokes, they'll say, I've tried quitting probably 25 times and they'll have different time periods and different things they've tried each time um, mm-hmm. because it, it's that habit, right? And so I think what happens for care partners is they get into some habits and habits are really hard to break. So very early on, the reason we talk about the need to care for yourselves and, uh, you know, I can think of a situation where we are talking about if you have 15 minutes in a, of a day, what could you do? And somebody was like, they were more in the early stage. They were like, well, I have more than 15 minutes. And our point was, but someday you might not. So let's, oh. let's, let's start thinking about it now so right. that when you're in that spot, now you don't even think you have 15 minutes and what would you do with 15 minutes? So, you know, uh, you know, and I, I think for all of us out there, you know, what would you do if you had 15 minutes of your own personal time? You didn't have to do anything else for anybody. What could you do for 15 minutes? What could you do if you had an hour? What could you do if you had three hours? What if someone actually gave you a half a day or a full day? Um, So kind of things like that to get people to start thinking it. Again, Mm -hmm. this isn't new. And so I look and I go, Carrie, but I don't think people purposely say, I am going to let myself get no. run, run <laughs> ragged, right? So no. I think the thing is, it's easy to get lost in, in caring for somebody. And and part of the reason we refer to people who care for people as care partners is if you really take that word caregiver and break it apart, that means you give care and the other person mm-hmm. is only a recipient. And for the majority of people out there, we know that your family member gives you something back. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and they also want to be a partner, especially in the earlier stage. They want to be a partner of their own journey too. So we we refer to care partners. The other thing is it also takes some of the that heavy load off of family members if they know that, well, the Alzheimer's Society is going to be one of our care partners and, and our family physician is, and so will home care, and and so will my adult children, and, and my neighbor's going to help out. And, and all of a sudden, they start to go, well, if I've got six different groups doing and people doing different things, then they're all care partners for my spouse, say. Mm-hmm. And so now the load doesn't seem as heavy either and it also gives the rest of us in society who who think well I'm just an organization that helps or I'm a just a physician who does this no we actually all have a role in this journey so you know the saying uh you know it takes a village to raise a child we believe it takes a community to help support a person living with dementia and that we can all be care partners in that journey right One of the things we talk about sometimes is isolation and the effects of isolation. When we do talk about that team, so to speak, because that's what I was kind of hearing, that there there can be a team of neighbors, adult children, physicians, friends, things like that. Do you find that people, when they're isolated, find it very difficult to even start looking around for that team? Does it make it even harder? Yeah. And so, you know, there are exercises that help family members do that. We we run one in our uh, other education program called Seeds of Hope uh, and really where we talk about like who are those people that are close to you and don't start getting in your head about whether they will do something for you or not. Who are the people who are close to you? So you might think I would never ask my neighbor to do anything with my spouse's right. or my mom's dementia. But our point is no, if you have neighbors, put neighbors down. Like if you totally don't know them, that's one thing. But 
you know, mm. put, put them down and do you see your cousin and do you, so they start putting them down and some people can be far away from the care partners themselves and other mm-hmm. people can be closer to that. And then we just say, so now if we look at that, what are some things people could do? Maybe you don't want to ask your neighbor if they can come over and stay with your husband for two hours, but maybe if they knew that you could no longer find time to bake, that they mm. might bake something for you. Or they might actually say, well, but I got to go for a drive today to pick up this tool. Your husband can come with me for that. And so oh, all yeah. of a sudden they are caring for somebody. And now you've just freed yourself up and you get two hours of of your day. Um, sometimes just having neighbors walk watch uh you know if if someone's if if my mom's out walking if my mom had uh, dementia if she was out walking I might ask neighbors throughout where I know my mom walks you know just if you see her looking confused can you point her back to our house in the right direction if you Mm -hmm. if 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 she's quite confused if you're okay walking back with her um Mm -hmm. anything like that so there's so many different roles people can do uh again if we're brave enough to break through that stigma and and actually reach out and ask for help Mm -hmm. And for um, for someone who is noticing signs in themselves, I I do hear that it can be, you, you can be quite scared and quite full of fear and not really knowing where or what to do. Um, how how do you walk someone through that? You know, if they were to call and say, "I'm noticing I'm forgetting things," and where would yeah. you start? Well, I think first of all by starting to say that that's a very brave call to make, right? Because clearly, mm-hmm. you know, we've been talking about stigma. That's a huge stigma to call and say, I think there's something wrong. Um, I, I recently read a study that says, and I can't remember the percentage, but, you know, a large number of people actually knew there was a problem before. Oh. And so their family members, like, there's something wrong, there's something wrong. And somebody might be saying, no, 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 there's not. But actually, deep down inside, they know there is. Um, Mm. So lots of people know there is a problem. So when people reach out to us, uh, and many people do, we can help support them understanding what some of those changes may be and kind of help guide them in the right direction. So uh, our healthcare system can be tough to navigate. So we have a team of navigators who will actually uh, be able to help that person navigate the system to be able to help them get a diagnosis. Because if someone's noticing changes, maybe it's not dementia and maybe Mm. they, you know, they just need something else. So that's what we're kind of looking for is the hope is that we can guide them in the right direction so they can go seek a diagnosis for whether it's dementia or anything else, but uh, to get that. And the really great thing then is um, then if they become a client of ours, then we can follow up with them. So we can reach out and say, hey, were you able to talk to your family doctor? And what did they think? Okay, well, we can give you some tips for this and, and really get them connected to a community as well. Because just as when earlier we talked about um, care partners finding a community, it's really lovely to have people living with dementia go, 
I, I think of a lady and she came out of the room and she went, they're all like me and they're so normal. And I went, yeah, they really are. Because Aww. she felt so not normal having dementia. But to go in and meet with other ladies who are living with dementia. And yeah, sometimes they didn't remember each other's names, but that's why we use name tags. That's a tip. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, but it was, it's just so nice to see them connect with each other and know that they're mm. not alone either and that there is a community to support them. Very supportive. Um, what surprises you? I mean, you've been doing this for a while. So, so are there any things about your work that surprises you? Yeah, for those family members who are caring for someone they love, mm-hmm. the level of love that people have and are willing to share is sometimes still surprises me. It, it, it It's so beautiful to see. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if sometimes we just get into these dark situations or moods when, you know, things seem so down and then just all of a sudden someone will just be just so loving and it goes both for a person living with dementia and their care partner. And so um, I just, Mm -hmm. I always say I'm so blessed to be part of people's love story and whether it's between couples or between adult children or siblings, um, Mm -hmm. it really is an honor to work with family members and they never cease to amaze me. (laughs) I noticed that, especially in, in my end of things with communications, getting the word out and, and just even making people aware that they can pick up the phone and call or go to our website and or email us, it, it's a challenge just even to make people aware of us. Uh, if you had your blue sky wish, you know, what, what would you want people to, to think of when they think about the help we provide? think just that we are there. Um, we may not sit in your small town or her community by having a physical office space, but in today's world, there's many ways to connect. And so, you know, we can connect by phone. As you said, we can connect by email. There are many ways to connect to people out there. And, and so my wish is that people Again, that kind of awareness now, that global awareness that, you know, Alzheimer's societies do exist. We are here to help um, family members going through this uh, disease, as well as people living with dementia. And that I just wish for you, if you're going to make one phone call and you're going to put your, you know, take a risk and do something, give us a shout because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Oh, that's nice. I wanted to ask you about our rural clients. Yeah. Tell me about some of their challenges. Yeah, our our rural clients, obviously, they're going to have many of the same challenges. You know, if you think of Mm -hmm. those emotional challenges, things like that. Of course, rural clients, though, have a bit more of a uh, challenge due to their geographic location. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes getting a diagnosis is more of a challenge because sometimes even in the next smallest community, they still won't have a physician who's comfortable doing that. So the big thing for rural clients is that for some of the things they will have to travel to, for example, you know, to see a specialist. But the great mm-hmm. thing is, again, for many of the rural clients, we we have programs. But that geographic distance is so 
can play challenges, right? right? Because sometimes adult children move away. So sometimes the family's not quite as close. Now that could happen in bigger urban centers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the resources available in communities often are not as much as they are in larger areas. Mm-hmm. And when you think of some of those rural communities, sometimes it's also the types of jobs that are out there too. So, you know, if it's agriculture, oil or gas, those aren't mm-hmm. all nine to five jobs. So it's sometimes it's harder to schedule good routines within that type of a day as, as well. Mm-hmm. You know, my example where I was like, you know, maybe the neighbor next door is driving into town or, you know, driving to pick up a, a piece of a part or something. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for a neighbor in the rural area, they'd have to drive 10 miles to get to somebody to make that offer. And mm-hmm. so sometimes they it wouldn't be a thought. And, you know, when I said, well, you know, if someone's out walking, you can just ask your neighbors to watch. Again, in rural areas, that's a bigger challenge because a neighbor can't look out their front window and see you because there's acres between them. So there, there are just different challenges for rural people out there. But again, we, we do have programs to help support you and resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pick up the phone. Um, tell, tell us what your favorite parts of the job are. What do you enjoy the most? Because I know uh, you've helped a lot of people over the years and yeah, yeah, tell us. Yeah. Uh, it's the people again, whether family members are in, in a tough part of that journey or whether people are, are at an early part or maybe even near end of life, uh, mm-hmm. just the fact that family members are willing to come to us is, is a joy for me. And it really is an honoring and humble experience to be part of their journey. And so the best part of my day is, is people, without a doubt, is having people living with dementia, the care partners, you know, even today we have a an education session going on. And, you know, so we've got a, a well-known physician in who's helping us out. So they're volunteering their time, helping support people living with dementia. So I got to say hi to some people living with dementia. I got to say hi to the care partners, got to say hi to a physician who's volunteering. Like I walk away from that mm-hmm. room and I'm pretty happy and, and Get have you a going. really good boost for the day. So it's definitely the people. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Cognitive Connections, Conversations on Dementia with the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories. If you're looking for additional resources, support, or more information on dementia, head over to our website at alzheimer.ab.ca. Here you'll find a wealth of resources, support, programs, and more. We encourage you to share this podcast with anyone who may benefit from these conversations and leave us a review. Join us again next time as we continue to explore the multifaceted aspects of dementia with our insightful guests. Until then, take care, stay connected, and remember that every conversation counts in the realm of cognitive connections.